Hello, and welcome back to the fifth podcast in the DDMLP series. I'm Ken Titmus, and today we'll be discussing the fifth component of DDMLP, namely visible and collaborative execution. Up to this point, we have discussed the first four components of DDMLP, that is, strategic inventory positioning, buffer sizing and buffer profiles, dynamic adjustment, and last time, demand-driven planning. With traditional planning, there is no integrated execution available with the planning systems. With DDMRP, we have both integrated planning and execution, which is a huge benefit. DDMRP execution is divided into two scenarios. Buffer status alerts, which look at the current on-hand situation at points of independence or buffers, and then synchronization alerts that deal with non-buffered points of dependence. Let's first look at the buffer status alerts, which are broken down into two subsections, namely current on-hand alerts, and secondly, projected on-hand alerts. It's worth noting here to make things clear that execution is purely looking at the on-hand inventory balances and not net flow, which is reserved for the planning function. So, buffer status alerts require two perspective changes. One, in the way we determine priority, and two, a change in the way we view the colors in the buffer zones. We will cover these two aspects shortly. First, we'll review the current on-hand alerts. Let's look at a manufacturing example. We could have a number of manufacturing orders to produce in the plant. These will typically have due dates that were determined at the time of generating the shop order. Some of these orders could be made to order for customers and others to top up finished goods of make-to-stock SKU buffers. Due dates are determined at the time of the order is placed, but situations change and these dates may not be relevant into the future. Also, we may have several jobs due on the same day. How do we know in which priority order to manufacture them? Typically, we don't. Sometimes in a plant, many orders are passed due. Again, in which order should we manufacture them? (laughs) Basically, we don't really know. With DDMLP execution, we can see the status of every make-to-stock buffer and its priority. So we can make the customer orders first and then top up the buffers based on their buffer status. Traditional default priority is by due date, which is regarded as an antiquated rule. If we ask ourselves the question, would you rather have a supplier deliver on the due date or never stock you out? The obvious answer, of course, is never stock you out. What does this say? Protecting availability in the buffers is of paramount importance. Priority by due date does not necessarily protect availability, whereas buffer status always connects to protecting availability. The second fundamental change mentioned above is the way in which we view the colors in the buffers. Up to this point, we have viewed the colors in a planning perspective. When the buffer is green with regards to net flow, all is good. Yellow and red require action. In execution, we are reviewing the on-hand balance. 
We indicated in the last podcast that the average inventory should be around top of the red zone plus half the size of the green zone, with the ideal on-hand balance range hovering between the top of the red and top of red plus the whole size of the green zone. This means that the on-hand balance, as far as execution is concerned, is in the yellow, where we would prefer to see green. So we change the colors in the buffer for execution. Basically, we make the planning yellow zone green, and we make the planning red zone into yellow and red. Typically, we make the top half of the planning red zone yellow, and keep the bottom of the red zone red. So, if on-hand balance is in the execution green zone, all is good. If the on-hand balance drops into the yellow zone, it is a pre-warning of a possible problem. If the on-hand balance drops into the red zone, then we would receive an expedite warning, mean that we're needing to investigate why the inventory is getting low and see if we can do anything to <coughs> expedite the supply. So the current on-hand alert indicates which buffer positions are in trouble right now and suggests parts where open orders need to be expedited. The projected on-hand alert takes today's on-hand balance and projects the on-hand status into the future day by day by using the ADU or, if available, actual customer orders and their due dates. This action doesn't generate planned supply orders as would happen in a traditional MRP system. It purely indicates at what point in the future we could run into stockouts with or without demand, if nothing changes in the system. At this point in the two-day DDP course, we go through an example to show how this projected on-hand alert is calculated. Not so easy uh, when doing this podcast. When it comes to material synchronization alerts, this displays material shortfalls against known demand allocations into the future. A material synchronization alert is triggered by any current or projected negative on-hand situation. <clears throat> there are three triggers that can produce a synchronization alert. Late material supply, early start date commitment for a manufacturing order, or insufficient supply of the required material. Alerts can be related to each other. For example, a buyer may get a projected on-hand alert for a component required in manufacturing. This could result in a material synchronization alert for a subassembly <clears throat> in which the component is assembled. This in turn could generate a projected on-hand alert for the planner of the finished product SKU. In addition, under synchronization alerts, we also have lead time alerts. A lead time alert is an execution alert for strategic non-buffered parts, generally with long lead times. And this can be used for components that we only buy when we receive a customer order for a make-to-order finished product. In this case, we divide the total lead time into thirds. We then take the last third of the lead time and divide that into thirds. These thirds are then colored green, yellow, and red. As time passes through each of these three colored zones, the system will generate a notification for the buyer 
to contact the supplier and confirm the delivery of the component is on track and will arrive on time. If they receive an indication that the material will be late and the due date is changed, this will likely generate a material synchronization alert which will need to be addressed. So we can use execution alerts throughout our supply chain. In distribution, we can see what buffers are in urgent need of resupply. In the finished goods warehouse, we can see the priority of which products need to be manufactured to maintain stock availability. For immediate intermediate buffered parts in the factory, we can see in what priority order they should be replenished. And in purchase parts, we can see the priority of parts that the buyer may need to expedite from the supplier. This brings us to the end of the section on visible and collaborative execution. But before we finish today, I want to review the six strategic buffer criteria and how they compare to the concept of safety stock and reorder points. The first buffer criteria is that they should decouple the supply chain and provide a break in the lead time dependency, which we know they do. Secondly, they must, there must be a bi-directional benefit test. A buffer provides a benefit on the demand side by protecting availability, and on the supply side, it generates similar sized orders at regular intervals. Thirdly is the order independence test. In other words, any stock in the buffer is there is not there for any specific order, demand requirement or customer. It is available for anybody that legally has a requirement from the buffer. The primary planning mechanism is the fourth buffer criteria. This means that the buffer is the primary planning mechanism for determining replenishment, which we know is done using the net flow equation. Fifth is the relative priority test. In the system, we have the on-hand balance priority as well as the planning priority for every stocked buffer. So it's easy to determine what needs to be done first and then second. It provides a to-do list for the day as far as planning and execution is concerned. And lastly, sixth is the dynamic adjustment test. We know DDMOP buffers are dynamically adjusted on a continuous basis as the environment changes, keeping pace with demand in the marketplace. If we test the concept of safety stock against these six criterias, we find it only passes the third one, the order independence test, which means that any material in the safety stock is available for anybody that can legitimately use it. There are some companies that adjust their safety stock levels occasionally, mainly based on their forecast accuracy percentage, but I find this is not very common, and safety stock levels are usually maintained at the same level for long periods of time, although a safety stock system does generate replenishment orders if the on-hand balance reaches or breaches the safety stock level, this is not the primary planning mechanism and only a secondary mechanism at best. If we compare these six criteria to the reorder point process, it does fare much better, but it does pass the primary planning test, independence test, and it decouples the supply chain lead time, but fails in the other areas. So to compare DDMOP buffers as a fancy reorder point system with safety stock is not possible.
The two are completely different. Some additional points on order point. They do not take demand into account and don't use the net flow equation. They are therefore subjected, therefore subjected to higher levels of variability with increased risk of stockouts and require increased levels of inventory to compensate. This brings us to the end of today's podcast where we discuss DDMLP's fifth component, visible and collaborative execution processes, as well as comparing the extra benefits of DDMLP buffers to reorder point with safety stock systems. The sixth and last podcast in this series series will focus on DDMLP's impact on scheduling and working process management. We will go on to discuss the demand-driven sales and operations planning process and how it is used to perform variance analysis on the demand-driven operating model and apply continuous improvement to ensure the operating model is stable, reliable and is giving us high levels of flow. In addition, we will see how the operating model can be projected into the future to identify potential problems into the future which can be addressed with ample time to resolve the situations. We will conclude with the expected benefits that adopters of the DDMOP methodology are achieving and briefly discuss the demand-driven adaptive enterprise bigger picture and a maturity development path to get there. So, until next time, continue your research and education into becoming demand-driven. Hopefully some of you have now purchased some of the books written by Carol Patak and Chad Smith and have looked at the wealth of resources on the DDI website at www.demanddriveninstitute.com. I'm Ken Titmus, and you can get hold of me at ktitmus, that's K-T-I-T-M-U-S-S, at mweb.co.za. So until next time, goodbye.